Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 14? And tonight we've come to the place where we'll, God willing, we'll finish this chapter. Conflict and inconsistency within victory. <laughs> this was planned well before last night. But it doesn't have anything to do with voting. It has to do with Saul. The rise and fall of Saul. One of the great ways to study the Old Testament is, is through character studies. And Saul is, is such a character whose life is, is worthy of study and reflection. Saul turns out to be, as his life develops, as his story develops, we see that he turns out to be an irreligious, self-centered person. He could not handle leadership well. He couldn't, he, he, he didn't know how to maintain an intimate and proper relationship with the Lord. And he was too focused on himself. In verse 23 of 1 Samuel 14, it, it's, it tells you that the Lord delivered Israel. The Lord gave Israel a great victory. This is just before this verse 24. And then we come to verse 24. We'll see in just a second. We're thinking of how the, the pitfalls and, and the failures of Saul are to be regarded, studied, and hopefully avoided in our lives. Life, of course, is a day-to-day -day process. <clears throat> to maintain consistency and to do your best to avoid conflict while living victoriously requires constant work and humility before the Lord. It requires steady focused discipline and direction in one's life. As a pastor looking back over many, many years of pastoral work, I'm saying this off the cuff, but it, it comes to my mind, probably the greatest flaw that has been my observation of church folks, of Christians, would be inconsistency. I've had church members, for example, that for a while were exemplary in their Christian living. They faithfully attended the services they were involved in small group Bible study. 
They, they attentively listened to the messages and then would participate even to the point of serving as leaders from time to time within the overall ministry of the church. But then whatever happens, either something within the church or something with outside the church that is outside the church, creates inconsistency in their lives. And, and so they, they flounder. And more often than not, never regain that life of Christian discipline and consistency. Just, just lives of inconsistency. We think about all that now as we continue in 1 Samuel 14 and consider this section of the scriptures. The first thing when I think of conflict and inconsistency within victory, and they've just won a victory in the first part of, of 1 Samuel 14, is this. But people make foolish decisions because they don't, they don't maintain a focused and organized process of spiritual living in their lives based on the Word of God. Saul is no different. So what is foolishness? Well, foolishness among other things, is following your own instincts. Here's something that the Bible teaches you and me about ourselves. That our hearts are desperately wicked. We, we cannot follow our own instincts. We have to follow an unction. And we have to do that through prayer and Bible study and careful meditation and reflection on whatever circumstances we face in life. Things are going well for Israel at this moment. But now remember what I said in verse 23. It says that Yahweh gave them a great victory. He rescued Israel. He delivered them and gave them a great victory. That's verse 23. Now, here's the next verse. And the men of Israel were hard-pressed on that day, or distressed, you could say. Now, what is the difference between verse 23 and verse 24? Well, there's his name right there, Saul. He's in a position of leadership. He's the king. He has shown signs of promise and greatness, but he's inconsistent. He makes foolish decisions. It says, the men of Israel were hard pressed on that day and Saul adjured the people saying, cursed be the man who will eat food until evening. Now notice the personal focus here. Until I shall be avenged of my enemies. And none of the people tasted any food. So here's what he says. This is a day of battle. I don't want you to eat a thing. Now God, God's word doesn't say that. I'm not real sure that's a good rule 
of combat. Now, I know if you're getting shot at and you're returning fire, you, you don't have time to tear open a Snickers. But at the same time, there comes a time when if you begin to feel weak and, and physically challenged, you need to attend to your physical needs. But Saul just sort of makes it up as he goes. He has no consistency in what he's doing. He's completely off, off the page here. He's not... He's not uh, He's not appealing to the Lord in any way. He says, until I shall be avenged, I don't want you to eat a thing. Don't eat a thing, you'll be cursed. And so none of his men tasted any food. And all the people of the land came into the forest, and there was honey on the ground. Now they're in Israel. Israel is called a land of milk and honey. So honey is flowing on the ground. And the people came into the forest, and behold, a flow of honey... But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. Saul made the men take an oath. They wouldn't eat anything until he was avenged of his enemies. That's a, that's a foolish decision. And we'll see why as we go along in the story. I lost it. There it is. Okay, But Jonathan had not heard when his father had adjured the people and he extended the end of his staff which was in his hand and he dipped the end of his staff into the honeycomb and when he brought back his hand to his mouth his eyes brightened. He felt good. He was energized. He was more focused now on the task at hand, which was to obliterate the enemy. Now remember, Jonathan wasn't there when his father made, this, made the men give this oath that they won't eat anything. And one man of the people called out and said, Your father adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food today. And the people have become faint. We don't feel like fighting anymore. We don't have the energy. We don't have the strength to fight anymore because your father made the decision that we're, we shouldn't eat anything until we, with him, have avenged him of his enemies. So, Jonathan, you just messed up, man. You have come under your father's curse. Jonathan said, my father has perturbed the land. Jonathan is a pretty good guy in the whole story of Saul. Has a tragic ending, but, he, but he's, a, he's a pretty good guy. And he has more sense than his father, Saul. And he says, what did he do that for? That was a crazy decision. That was something that was unnecessary. See now that my eyes have brightened. For I've tasted a little of this honey. How much more if the people had eaten today of the spoils of their enemies, which they found, would there not now have been a great slaughter among the Philistines? In other words, if we had partaken of the spoils and had strengthened ourselves along the way, this whole thing would already be over. But we're still chasing them 
And we're not allowed to eat and we're becoming faint. We're becoming weaker as we go along. They smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon. And the people became very faint. So this is a 20 mile chase to the west from Michmash to Ajalon. 20 miles without anything to eat. Fighting. If you've never fought a round in a ring, a three-minute round, you don't understand what it takes out of you. Well, these guys were fighting for 20 miles. The point is made by Jonathan, if we could have just eaten the spoils along the way, we would already have finished off the Philistines. We're still chasing them. Now that's foolishness. To follow your own instincts and thus prove yourself to be inconsistent. If you wake up in a new world every day, your life will be very inconsistent. There won't be any foundation upon which, upon which you can build your life. And you can study this out in the book of Proverbs. But to summarize, you will be a failure. If you don't have a clear focus and a plan, especially, especially to acknowledge God and all that God says, then you'll live in folly and foolishness. So this is where Saul had been. But now wisdom is to follow God's word. And the people flew to the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and they slaughtered on the ground. And the people ate with the blood. Listen, these people were starving to death. They ate the meat while it still had blood in it. Now that's against the law of Moses. That's a very bad violation of the law of Moses. And they told Saul saying, behold, the people are sinning against Yahweh. By eating with the blood. And he said, you have transgressed. Roll a huge stone to me this day. Is he going to make up an altar? And those rock altars, those stone altars were designed so that when you put it on there, the blood would be channeled away from, uh, from the meat. Saul said, disperse among the people and you shall say to them, bring near to me each man his ox is lamb, you shall slaughter here, and you shall eat, and you shall not sin against Yahweh by eating with the blood. And all the people brought near each man his ox that night, and they slaughtered there. And Saul built an altar to Yahweh. With that one, he started to build an altar to Yahweh. This is his first altar uh, in, in, in this sense. All right? So, oh, the, the people have done bad things. So we're going to have to bring sacrifice and properly drain, drain the blood. So Saul declares the sin that the people have committed. As he moves on as a leader among the people, he grows in his inconsistency and indecision. The opposite, the antonyms, the opposite of those two words are two very important qualities of leadership. Number one, be consistent. Have a plan, a process, know where you're going, 
have confidence in it, and keep, keep focused and disciplined along the way, and make a decision and stick with it. If you're in charge, take charge. If you're a leader, lead. Saul is the very opposite of that, and he reveals it more and more in his life, in the inconsistencies of his leadership and in the indecisions, in the times of indecision. He just can't come down to make a solid decision at times. Well, in order to overcome that, number one, don't make promises you can't keep. Foolishly make an oath or swear yourself to something, whatever. Make a promise and unsure that you can't keep it, you discover that it's impossible to keep the promise. Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines at night, plunder among them until morning light, and let us not leave a man among them. In other words, let's kill them all. And they said, do all that is good in your eyes. And the priest said, wait a minute. I think we need to pray about this. We need to go to the Lord. We're the Lord's army. We are the Lord's people. And we can't make, we can't be indecisive about how we approach the battle. And we can't be inconsistent in our personal lives. If Yahweh is God, then serve him. It was the priest who brought up the subject of prayer, not the king. Whereupon the priest said, let us draw near here to Elohim. So Saul asked of Elohim, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? Elohim didn't answer that day. When you don't know what to say, you best not say anything. Which was a lesson that Peter had a difficult time learning and understanding in the New Testament. A lot of people have that, have that problem of just speaking instinctively without filtering it through a thousand filters that we should always have available. So, okay, let's pray. Yeah, uh, Elohim, will you deliver the Philistines in the hand of Israel? Well, Elohim doesn't say anything. So here is, John, here is uh, Saul's reasoning. Well, I haven't done anything wrong. It must be one of these men who have done something wrong. That was his reasoning. Okay. So Saul said, draw near here all the chiefs of the people. And know and see wherein was this sin today. For as Yahweh lives, here's his promise, who saves Israel, for though it be in Jonathan my son, he will die. And there was no one who answered him from among the people. And he said to all Israel, you will be to one side and I and my son Jonathan will be to one side. And the people answered to Saul said, do what is good in your eyes. The next step in overcoming the foolishness is to, recognition, is to recognize when you're wrong and then be willing to admit it. Because if you're wrong, but then you try to make decisions like fruit of a poison tree, 
the situation just gets worse. It doesn't get any better. Sometimes there's a need for a reset, you know. My daddy used to say, don't ever crawl into a hole that you can't back out of. There comes a time when you have to stop and say, oops, this is the wrong hole. And you back out of it. And you, you push a reset button. Well, here's how Saul handles it. Saul said to Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, give a perfect lot whereupon Jonathan and Saul were taken and the people escaped. Saul said, cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Saul said to Jonathan, tell me, what have you done? Jonathan told him and said, I, I but tasted a bit of honey with the end of the staff, which is in my hand. And here I am. Let me die. You know, you could title this message, Jonathan ate honey, right? Saul said, so shall Elohim do, and so shall he continue, for you shall die, Jonathan. Now, this is daddy and his boy. All of the inconsistencies and all of the bad decisions that he made. Number one, made his men swear to an oath, which weakened them and did not help them in the battle. As a matter of fact, they failed in their goal because the Philistines will escape, finally. He thought that everything was to be to his advantage. Therefore, somebody else had to have done something wrong if Elohim didn't answer about whether or not he would deliver the enemy into their hands. So he says, you're going to die and Elohim is involved in this. If this doesn't happen to you, it's going to have to happen to me. If you're inconsistent and your leadership is flawed because of inconsistencies, indecisions, bad decisions, no focus, no discipline, no direction, no goal, no accomplishment of goals, you lose the trust of the people. Then when you lose the trust of the people, you grow weary and it makes you want to give up. Let's look at this, verses 45 and 46. And the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan, who has wrought this great salvation in Israel, die? Now remember the first part of this chapter was the great thing that Jonathan had done to bring victory. Far be it. Now you see, his, his men are now speaking against him. He's losing their trust. He's losing his position of leadership. As Yahweh lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with Elohim this day. Your stupid rule about nobody eating anything. He stuck a stick in some honey and he stuck it in his mouth. You're going to kill him for that? After what he has done? And the people redeemed Jonathan... And he did not die. Well, what does that make Saul? That makes him a very ineffective leader. As a matter of fact, if you talk about the rise and fall of Saul, King Saul, this chapter ends the rise of Saul. And the very next chapter begins the fall of Saul. And Saul went up from pursuing after the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their place. He gave up. It was his fault. 
He made all of the wrong decisions. He was inconsistent in everything that he did. He was too self-centered. And now the people are not going to do what he's told them to do, which is namely kill Jonathan. Uh Uh-uh, we're not going to do that. You've not shown us, Saul, that you are worthy of our following you like this as a leader. You've been inconsistent and indecisive. And of all of the poor decisions you've made, this one takes the cake. To tell us to kill your own son. Because he ate a little honey and he didn't even know that you had told the men that we would be cursed. And you think about this. The whole army is so, ra- so starving for food When they come upon the spoils that they've overtaken, they just start killing animals and eating the flesh with the blood still in it. And that that is an offense that curses. And that's from the Word of God. That's from the Law of Moses. Does he say to the men, you're going to have to stone and kill each other because you've... No. They knew what they were doing and they knew there was a law against it and they still did it. Saul overlooks that, but but the oath that he brought people under... Broken by his own son, he'll hold his son responsible for that. Well, the people didn't stand for it, obviously. So what happens? His stated goal was never accomplished. Here it is. Saul stopped pursuing the Philistines. And they went to their place. He gave up. He was losing, he'd practically lost his ability to lead the people, lost the trust of the people. At that point, how do you ask men to go into combat and risk their lives for something that to them is just on the whim of a crazy guy? So, he gave up. And they went, the Philistines went to their place now here is a big question is the estimate of my life that I make of my life the same as God's estimate of my life how do I consider myself but most importantly how does God Consider me. Let's look at this last part. Saul took the kingdom over Israel. And he waged war against his enemies on every side, against Moab and against the children of Ammon and Edom and against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. And wherever he would turn, he would cause them to tremble. That sounds pretty good. And he gathered an army and he smote Amalek. And he saved Israel from, uh, from the hand of its plunderer. That sounds pretty good. And the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, uh, Machshua, and the names of his daughters. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger was Michal. So here's people, and this is what he can say about himself. Now, you don't, you don't see God in there anywhere. So he thinks, he thinks highly of himself, obviously. But here's the problem with this. The summary 
of what someone would consider the accomplishments of Saul is made in the middle of his reign as king. All the other kings have the summarized life that they have lived made at the end of their reign. Talks about he died. He went to his, he was gathered to his fathers. He, he died. He reigned, ruled this many years. He died. Saul ain't dead yet. But his usefulness as king in the eyes of God is over. Now he has several more years to reign and we see how the nastiness of his life is exposed and, and grows outward from his, his inward heart. Especially when David comes on the scene. But this is done in the middle of his life. This is as far as he'll ever go. Wouldn't that be awful? To try to be a servant of the Lord and work with his people and be graciously given a position of leadership and never accomplish the goal, never finish the work, and in the eyes of God, you're done even while you have a long life left to live. That'd be a terrible thing. So it begs the question from within our lives, what is the estimate of my life? Not in my sight, but in the sight of God. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abinar, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish, father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, were sons of Abil. And the war against the Philistines was severe all the days of Saul. When Saul saw any valiant man or soldierly man, he would bring him in to himself. He would conscript him into the army and force him to serve King Saul. It's already fairly pathetic at this point, but it gets worse. And we will see how then it gives way. Man's choice finally gives way to God's choice. We'll stop there and have our deacon prayer time.